Blog Talk Radio. Sylvia, your host of sylviaglobal.com. I'm so excited to be here in Washington, D.C. today meeting with an incredible um, lady named Lori Emmerich. Lori is a, a Colorado native who's transplanted, who transplanted to Washington, D.C. Lori has worked for 15-plus years with governments and NGOs to develop primary health care delivery systems in the global south, primarily in Africa. These days, Lori is working as an independent consultant helping to launch, strengthen, and build regional, national, and international social profit organizations and projects. She is one of the founding board members of the Washington Area Women's Foundation, and she is the co-creator developer of the National Progressive Leadership Campus in Washington, D.C., a $35 million initiative to create a more powerful and cohesive movement for progressive social change in the United States by establishing a thriving center for progressive organizations and next-generation leaders in the heart of Washington, D.C., at the seat of national power. Lori, thank you so much for being here on Sylvia Global today. How are you? I'm very good. Thank you so much for having me, Gail Sylvia. It's quite a pleasure. Lori, can you talk to us about... um, you know, how you came into this work of, you know, that you're doing, particularly that with governments and NGOs, and then lead up to, the, you know, being a founding board member of the Washington Area Women's Foundation? Sure, um, and I can also help to put it in a little bit in, in context. Um, when I uh, finished with graduate school back in the early 80s, um, I was very interested in a career in international development, um, economic development, that is, and not the development we sometimes think of in, the, in this new world that I'm in. Um, <clears throat> I had a longstanding his, uh, history of, of interest in um, international relations and development studies, um, and that's uh, what I did in, followed in graduate school. And... I wanted to to work overseas, and so um, I ended up going, uh, getting a job in um, what was then Zaire, now the Democratic Republic of Congo, and um, it was a fabulous opportunity to to work in um, in Zaire in the Congo and travel around and help to. Um, strengthen the ties between the government structure and the and the, nas- the non-governmental organization structure um, to to help strengthen primary health care services there. And um, from that time, I did, I, after I finished my first job, which was about two and a half years um, in Kinshasa, I then did consulting work based in Kinshasa, um, other projects in the Congo, and then moved on to to doing consulting. I came back to the U.S. and worked in about you know 12 different countries 
in in all parts of uh, of Africa, including North Africa. So, um, so I was focused on primary health care systems and um, developing them and and increasing community participation uh, in the long term sustainability of those systems, and also trying to kind of knit together the um, the initiatives of the private uh, NGO sector, non-governmental organization sector, and um, and governments in you know in particular countries. So in the 80s and the 90s, I um, I did that, and I commuted uh, between Washington and, and different countries on particular assignments, um, and then got a bit fatigued um, with the pace of. <laughs> Um, those long commutes and started to move into a more um, to be more local, uh, still thinking globally, but then acting more locally. And that's when I was very, very lucky to that coincided with <clears throat> a group of people who were trying to launch the Washington Area Women's Foundation. So I got involved with, with them. Mm-hmm. You know, another part of the introduction that um, is important is that you are an individual donor yourself and that you advise family foundations and individuals on effective social justice grant making. How did you, can you talk briefly about your own donor journey? Because a lot of our listeners are donors around the world. That's one of the missions of Sylvia Global is to provide a forum for sharing our stories as donors. Sure. Um I um I am an, I was an inheritor in my 20s. Um and well actually I don't know whether I I, w- I received inherited a, um not through the death of either of, of anybody um but inherited um a trust fund basically um in my 20s, and while I was in my 20s and early 30s, I really, because I had grown up in a home where um, social justice and, you know, some sense of income income equality among people was um, part of our familial, you know, value system and vision, uh, I had an initial, you know, really many years where I pretty much just put the whole... um, the whole trust fund aside and really worked and earned my own money and just kind of made my own way. Um, when I came back to this, uh, the States and when I finished doing the consulting, I, um, I was then um, working with the Women's Foundation and I just, I went through a process really of getting comfortable with having financial resources um using them a bit more for myself and my own development um and most importantly using them for um for activities and to support organizations that um shared a vision of of social justice um and also gender justice um because I was uh had a developing stronger interest in in the issues and had seen this in my development career what um you know how women are marginalized how they are they're so central to the functioning of their families and communities and agricultural systems and yet they are marginalized 
um, in terms of their access to the resources that would help them to do that job, you know, to carry out their responsibilities. Um, so they're basically they they're like, okay, go run this race, but your arms and one of your leg, your arms are behind your back, and we're tying up one of your legs as well. Now take care of your family and community. Yeah, we're all, yeah, we're all depending on you to succeed at this. Uh, Lori, elaborate for us about the income equality and family value system that you reference as a part of your growing up. Well, uh, our family, um, I grew up in Colorado. Our family is uh, is Jewish. Um, both of my parents are, are Jewish. Um, and <clears throat> though my mother comes from a very um, kind of strict and um, traditional Jewish background and, you know, a grandfather who was went religiously to the... Um, to services, you know, every week and and maintained a kosher household and and things like that. In in our own family, we were more kind of a culturally Jewish family, but so but those values that are held within the Jewish and other faith traditions of um of social justice and um you know, a world where people are treated with respect and dignity um, is, is part of that vision, and um, my father, in particular, really carried that, um, and you know, and, and lived it. Um, you know, not perfectly, but uh, as he was a human, but um, he, I learned from his example, and uh, and so that that desire to try to um, to be part of healing, repairing, rebuilding, recreating the world that we have right now, all of that came very much from um, the value system that I grew up in. How did um, was money discussed within your household? Um, <clears throat> it it was actually. I mean, my my partner uh, always jokes that. that you know, in her family, because she grew up in a more, you know, Lutheran Catholic family that they, you know, would never, ever discuss money, whereas uh, in my family, that's all we seem to discuss, at least by her by her lights. So my uh, parents were open about, you know, where we stood financially. I, you know, I grew up in a, in a very financially privileged way, uh, going to um, I went to public school through junior high, but then went to a private um, high school and also a private college, and was also able to go to graduate school. So I had a, a you know the the privilege um, and the the huge boost that um, access to a good education provides uh, for some people in, in this society, and um, so so. Those you know those values and that um, and that access to education um, really built the the foundation for me um, for you know for the work that I wanted to do and so I, well, I set but, out to do um, that yeah as you set out to do that you were pursuing then your passions and your your social justice issues and that's a part of what led you to do the work that you did in Africa for 15-plus years then, correct? Correct. 
And then while you were on that journey and doing that work and earning your own income, how did your thought processes, what were some of your thought processes that helped you to arrive at the kind of work that you're doing now? You know, did you have to come to grips with, you know, gee, you know, I can now, um, I guess I'm wondering, what, did you go, just as an example, did you go from a place of any experiences where you may have felt uncomfortable or embarrassed by a large sum of an, a large inheritance to stepping away from it and seeing what you could do on your own and then end up growing through that life experience and then circling back and saying, okay, now I can blend the two. You know, this is who I am and this is what I'm passionate about and a part of who I am includes this inheritance and this is how I can now apply it to the work that I'm doing? Yeah, well, I, I came to see really um, in part, you know, in part on my own, in part in the um, in the associations I was able to, to start to make. I, I had learned about the an organization called the Funding Exchange in New York, which was um, started by some early kind of you know Robin Hood types about um, who dealt with issues of of either growing up with or earning wealth um, and and the issues that come up for people as they do that. I had been through um, a very uh, you know long and important coming out in relation to my sexual orientation uh, prior. To this time, and the the lessons I learned about the the beauty and the strength of of not being in a closet, um, how great that felt, I was then able to apply to sort of the closet that I had been in related to being a person of financial privilege. So, <clears throat> again, over a period of years, I started you know coming out more and more, um, and also realizing that if I really held these you know, values and wanted to create change in the world than to not put these resources to work in towards that vision was really kind of immoral of me. <laughs> um, and mm-hmm. so so the the beauty of what emerged was that, you know, my values supported by um, those financial resources could be could be let go into the world. Um, and I started giving at a you know more and more substantial level, um, and then being involved in different donor networks, um, and key among them being this the funding exchange that I mentioned, and also something called the Threshold Foundation, um, which is a community for people with earned and inherited wealth that has both a foundation and a grant making component of it, but also a community of people committed to you know honest exchange and personal growth you know in relation to their financial resources but and and more broadly as well so that was a really um that's where i learned a lot about grant making um through that and and then other networks um of of grant makers who who you know were trying to to do to work on philanthropy in a different way in a more evolved way that was more effective 
um, and had a social change and justice orientation to it. Um, so it was, a, it was, you know, just an evolution as we all do go through um, to arrive at a place which, again, as I say, it feels it's a great place to be in. I, of course, there's always more, you know, work to do on uh, walking my talk as much as I can, um, but it is. I feel very good about being in a place where I can be open about, you know, who I live with and why, and I can be open about the the resources I have and and use them, put them to the, you know, hopefully the greatest use towards creating change. What are some of the challenges that you find for walking your talk? Um. Well, and what what I'm thinking of most now is something else that I've been doing in the last mm, eight years or so. Um, I've been involved with an organization, a national organization called Be Present. Yeah. And um, Be Present, uh, as the name suggests, is about people um, really uh, gaining some self-awareness um, and communication skills um, that enable them to build relationships, personal relationships, you know, one-on-one and more broadly with organizations and communities um, that are that are relationships across difference of all kinds. Um, and, and so how to, you know, how to, to walk in the world that we live in, which is, you know, amazingly diverse. Um, and and build coalitions and partnerships across these differences that help us, those of us with shared values, to put to, to be part of a movement that is increasingly effective um, in bringing about change. So, um, you know, I have an intention of of bringing the skills that I've learned through Be Present, um, living them every day. Uh, and yet I, you know, it's a continuing challenge because I do come from a, a world and an experience that is filled with racism, um, that is, you know, has different elements of class dynamics among them. And and I see organizations and um, and people's individual relationships time after time um, hitting some bumps in the road, uh, and these the tools I've learned through Be Present help me to navigate those when I encounter them. Um, but I don't always, I can't always live that. I can't always take a breath and um, and just sort of check in with myself if something, if somebody says something that triggers me, you know. And the, these are parts of the um, the key ways that we can communicate better and build trusting relationships um so i do recognize oh i'm sorry I'm some call waiting thing but um i've come to recognize that uh though it's not my intention i i do hold racist views i do ha- i am sort of held by unconscious um socially determined racism and other um prejudices that circulate in our society, even though it's not my intention, they are within me because this is where I grew up and, and I live in it and 
you know, walk through it all the time. So the great gift that Be Present gave me is the ability now to 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 see that the the unconscious is becoming more conscious for me. And so, though I'm sometimes horrified at what I I at my thoughts <laughs> that come up in in the moment, um, I'm grateful. I'm really blessed to to be to have access to those now to know that they're there so that I can free my actions from those thoughts and um and not and not act from that um, you know a more racist perspective or or um, a discriminatory um perspective but that's very much a continuing you know process i'm i'm feel i'm solidly on the path but uh you know still walking it why is it even important to you, Lori? You know, why does it why does it matter? Um, so many of us uh, function day to day, year to year, uh, and do good works, and never pause to give this type of attention to how we can become an even better self, an even more effective contributor to society. We just go through, uh, you know, continue to go through the motions that are most familiar and comfortable. Why is it so important to you to enhance and develop yourself in this area and to free yourself of these experiences that nobody else would ever guess or be aware of, only you? Yeah. Well, I wish that they weren't sometimes evident to the outside world. I know that they <laughs> they are. Um mm-hmm. but one big piece of this is real is having moved to a place where I can forgive myself for, mm-hmm. you know, when that does happen. Uh you know, it's not it's not that I uh love myself for those things having happened, but I realize that you know, my attention is different, intention is different. And I am trying to to change so I can kind of cut myself some slack, which is mm-hmm. so, so very key to, I think, being able to do this work. Um, and so the answer to the question is is about, I mean, I do it, I certainly do it for myself, I guess, above all, um, because I think my world, my personal world will be, you know, more stable uh more loving, more respectful, you know, in my relations in my home and beyond that. So it's absolutely about myself. Um and it's my belief that key to building a uh, a movement for change or participating in a movement for change, I to be a good partner, I need to have these this I need to have this awareness and these skills and um and also participate in trying to um you know to to model that and to encourage and motivate other people to take the time to to look at themselves and to do some self evaluation and and developing an understanding so that um so that together we can all create a more cohesive movement so it's it's both for myself, you know, and it's in service of the the vision of change because you know we see that <clears throat> politically um, the 
the progressive movement um, is constantly fracturing on different lines of, um, be it that you're interested in a particular particular sector, one more than the other, or um, you know when you try and build the coalitions across difference, it's just dang hard to to make them you know work and work effectively, especially over the long term. So um, that's why my big focus now has turned more has turned to um, developing this national progressive leadership campus, where um, organizations that are working towards this vision will have will be able to physically co-locate in this in this building, and by the physical layout of the building and the the programming that is part of the building will encourage collaboration um, among some of the usual suspects of you know that of a movement of a liberal to progressive movement but also um some of the unusual suspects because if we don't broaden the movement we're not going to get you know the the consensus to build the changes that we that we want and so this building this campus will have both you know office space that is shared and there are cost efficiencies from from sharing space off you know conference rooms maybe IT staff and things like that. Um, and alongside the office space will be living space, um, subsidized housing that's available for specifically for kids from low-income backgrounds and communities who are carrying, and more and more, of course, the kids who are carrying debt from college are, you know, from all, you know, all classes, really, except for the more... Uh, upper middle and, and others, they're carrying this huge debt, and they can't come to a city like Washington and afford to put themselves in the pipeline for their career development and their leadership development because they they can't afford it. You know, they have jobs that they have to take in order to pay their debt, and so we're trying to create a space where, um, particularly those who face the highest financial barriers are able to come into the system, be supported in their internship or their fellowships, um, you know, have access to training, um, including training such as Be Present does that helps with communication skills across difference. Um, and so has they have both the opportunity to do that work, to have their housing and access to programming that helps build, you know, their their um, their leadership skills um, and whatever is kind of the most felt need by by this group of people um, of young people and the, and so they are the next generation and the, if if a if a more comprehensive next generation you know a more diverse next generation is coming in that too is going to help build the movement and, and really, really, really change the movement over time um, and really help in terms of broadening and making those connections. So I see it as an opportunity to work sort of some both on what's happening now and also very much an upstream, you know, in, investment opportunity to, um, you know, to invest in our in our movement, to invest in our vision. And so I'm very excited to um you know t- that I have the privilege to 
work on this and in collaboration with others try to build this campus um, which uh, hopefully will be then a model that we can use in other cities as well. What is the status of the the campus and the initiative right now? Where are well, you? We're, we're building the foundations right now. So we um, uh, we built an advisory board. So we we this is um, as you said in the introduction. It's a thirty you know some million dollar project, and so far we've raised pre-development funds of about a quarter of a million, and that has enabled us to. Um, you know, to to hone um, what we intend to do. It's allowed us to um, build an advisory board to get the initial group of tenants, potential tenants, together to be working with them and planning with them. Um, we're close to doing our first hire for a full-time person probably later this, this year, We've done a thorough, with a local developer, a thorough cost analysis. So I won't go into all the details, but we're, we're building that foundation and we'll be moving into a quiet phase of a capital campaign because we can't actually go looking for the, the property or the building um, until we have you know, several million dollars in commitments ready to go. And then that way we can go start looking and and then find the right place and we'll be ready to move on it. So we're we're hoping that in early 2013 um we'll have the resources necessary to um to start shopping for for our site. You are the you are the co-creator and developer of the National Progressive Leadership Campus. Is this a, going to be a, a very tangible result of what you referred to earlier as the releasing of your monetary resources and showing how that's directly, intrinsically, you know, and very intentionally linked to your releasing of um, your own personal development and blending your personal, um, you know, your personal development, relationship development and self-awareness and Linking it with your, with where you place your monetary resources, is this an outcome or something that's reflective of that? Absolutely, and yeah. is the short answer. It's the yeah. you know, it's the blissful spot, um, you know, which will materialize. Um, and but you know, meanwhile, building this is really is bring. I'm I'm able to bring all the different pieces of. Me, I mean, many of the many of the you know um, experience, experience and you know professional skills. Like I'm not a, a real estate developer, but so I'm kind of, I'm the the engine, and I'm reaching out and I'm building other you know reaching out to other people who are also very excited by the vision, um, and it brings together you know all these different pieces, and including a, a very important piece, which is about. Um, I didn't mention that I had I am part of a I was part of the Women Moving Millions campaign. It was something that I, a threshold I stepped across at the invitation of this campaign, which was to move a um, million dollar uh, gift to a, a number of women's foundations um, in the U.S. and globally. Um, I bo- I came out even more <laughs> about being a person of wealth through that that process. 
Um, and through Women Moving Millions and also Threshold and just all this constellation um, of activities, it's not just what I do philanthropically, but it's also what I do with um, my all my financial resources and my personal resources. Um, my job is to mobilize them as fully as possible. So I I intend to invest a, a sort of a program related investment um, in the building when we you know when we get to that point. And there are a number of other individuals who've already said that they're interested in that as well as foundations that's that's when they use their um endowment dollars in service to their mission um so that they're in that they're in balance and they're in harmony um and so i um you you've heard me say quote wilson pickett before who um <laughs> Apparently said, although I haven't actually heard the the quote, you got to shake what you brought with you. Yeah. And what yeah. I take from that is um, really bringing all of myself, you know, all of the time in every moment to, um, you know, to my life and my activities and my and towards my vision. So it's you know my philanthropic dollars, my investment dollars, my um, and in the case of the leadership campus, you know, all of that plus my time um, and, you know, all my best efforts to organize um, and connect with all the key people who, um, you know, who can help make this a reality. How can the listeners of Sylvia Global support your work with the National Progressive Leadership Campus? Um, well, I encourage everyone. One, actually, developing a website is on our is on our task list as we go forward. But we do have a landing site, and that is um, if they go to www.leadershipcampus, all one word, dot org. Um, there, they will see some of the um, initial um, materials, a, a, a two-page summary of the description of the project. Um, right now, we're just you know about ten days to two weeks away from uh, completing a, a revised uh, case statement and also a um, a deck, a, a PowerPoint presentation, and those things will be up um, by you know probably mid June on this landing site, and you know at some point in the in the following months we'll have an actual website. But uh, my name and address. Uh, email address is on there, and so they can, you know, then that will lead them to me if they so desire. Lori, Emmerich, thank you so much for being with us. This information will also appear on sylviaglobal.com. I know you gave shared the quote from Wilson Pickett. There's another quote that you've shared with me, and I'd like to close out with that. I arise in the morning torn between a desire to improve or save the world and a desire to enjoy or savor the world. This makes it hard to plan the day. E.B. White. Lori Emmerich, thank you so much for being with us today on Sylvia Global. You're welcome. Thank you for giving me the opportunity. Please come back. We're very excited and interested in um, hearing more about your work and the National Progressive Leadership Campus. Have a good day. Thank you. Mm -hmm. 